0: Turn to Luke, please, this evening, book of Luke, and the fifth chapter. We've been on the subject here for a few weeks of God's will to heal. In Luke 5, Luke 5 and 12, it came to pass when Jesus was in a certain city Behold, a man full of leprosy who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Well, wonder how many Christians are praying this tonight. Huh? How many people, good people, that love God, people that are saved at their home, at the hospital, numerous places, in distress, in pain, facing a terminal disease or an incurable situation or just a chronic thing, hadn't been able to shake. How many do you think are praying the same prayer? Lord, I know you can heal me. I know nothing's impossible with you. I know you can, if it's your will. If you would. If it's your will. There's a whole lot more people praying this than praying like we pray. We are not the majority in this. Well, why do people pray that way? They're asking the same question this man asked. Did the Lord answer his question? And we know that this is no coincidence that this is in the Bible. The Bible said if everything Jesus said and did was recorded, not even the world itself could contain the books that should be written. So what we do have was handpicked by the Holy Spirit. Right? And recorded and preserved. Why? Because it is the unchanging word of God and will of God for all people for every generation. Can we say this Bible is God talking to us? Can we take it personally? Yeah. Well, then he answered the question. When the man said, Lord, I, I know you could heal me. I know you could. If you would. If it's your will. What did Jesus say? Jesus, verse 13, he put forth his hand and he touched him and he said, I will. Now let's just stop right there. Stop right there. I will. Who said it? Jesus. Jesus. In connection with what? Person asking about being healed. Physically being healed. Leprosy. I Will. Oh, midst the barbed wire entanglement of the confusion of men's minds and twisted theology and philosophy and on and on and on, this reigns supreme. This stands on top of the mountain of confusion in brilliant light Forever settled in heaven that cannot change, that never will, Jesus said, I will. I will. Well, that's good enough for me. I said, That's good enough for me. I'm just simple enough to say, There it is. (laughs) I takes it from me. makes me happy huh there it is he said I will he reached out and touched him I will be thou clean and immediately his leprosy departed from him did this man already believe it was God's in God's ability for him to be healed he already believed that and he's still sick did you see that he's fully convinced fully persuaded that the lord can heal him and he is not healed It takes more than believing God can do it. People perish believing God can do it. It takes more than believing He can. What else must you believe? You must believe it is His will. And you can't be ambiguous about it. And that's why there's so much trouble with so many Christians that are wavering. They're wondering, well, well, you just never know. What God's going to do sometimes is His will, and sometimes we don't know why, but He must have His reasons, and it's just not always... A, well, if you had to know His will before you could be in faith, that would be a reason. If you had to have faith, and you had to know His will before you could be in faith, wouldn't that explain why a lot of people don't receive? And it's true. So thank God it is written. It is written. God's holy word. Jesus said. I will. The living Bible said sir. If you only will. You can clear me of every trace of my disease. Jesus reached out and touched the man and said. Of course I will. (laughs) Be healed. And the leprosy left him instantly. Well if it's really truth then you'll find it more than one place in the Bible. The scripture said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we have Jesus' own word for it that he said I will when somebody asked him if it was his will for them to be healed or not. But we have begun on a course to give you at least 30 biblical reasons why we are sure it's God's will for all to be healed. And if I took time and reviewed all of them, then we wouldn't have time to do anything else tonight, you understand. But how many know if you keep seeing something, verse after verse, truth after truth, principle after principle, after a while, you ought to get satisfied that this is the will of God. And that's what we're doing. We've looked at 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and 5, and 6, and 7, and 8, and 9, and 10. Well, well, some people want to know what they are. Uh, I'll just read them to you real quickly. Number one, God's word is medicine. Number two, a strong spirit will sustain you. Number three, God's original creation. Number four, God's will in heaven. Number five, the origin of sickness and disease. Number six, sickness is a work of the devil. Not my words, Bible words. Number seven, we have a covenant of healing. Number eight: the eternal names of God. How many believe He still is Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. Number nine, sickness is a curse. Number 10, the types of redemption. And number 11 and we got happy about this last week healing is part of redemption by His stripes. We were and are healed. Oh, glory to God. Did that do anything for you last week? I tell you, I'm still stirred up over it. Mm-mm-mm. Can we go on from there, you think? Does God have more for us? Go back to Scripture. We looked at Second Corinthians 1. And let's go on to reason number 12 tonight. Reason number 12. We're turning to 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. Second Corinthians 1, we saw this in talking about redemption. And we saw this in types of redemption. And it continues in this reason. Second Corinthians 1 and 20. One twenty says, For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him amen, unto the glory of God by us. How many of the promises of God? All. all of them. That God is able to say yes to people and that they are fulfilled. They're all fulfilled in Jesus. Amen. Right? Read the rest of that passage. you see him that they're referring to is Jesus. Jesus. And we said this. Don't let this just rush past your mind now. Don't assume that you know it and everybody knows this. This is a biggie. Right here. I'm saying to you from the scripture. That I believe you will see without question from the word of God. That there is no blessing available to mankind except through Jesus. That every person that was ever blessed or helped or delivered or healed or benefited or protected in the Old Testament. Was based on what Jesus was going to do. That every sacrifice, every lamb, every goat, every bull, every sheep pointed to the spotless lamb. And Hebrews tells us that all those offerings could not take away sin. All they did was cover it for that time and was pointing towards something that would take it away. And that now everybody that is helped And delivered and protected and prospered and benefited of God is all because of what Jesus has already done. That there is no blessing, no benefit at all, not even one, available to mankind except through Jesus. Now if that is true, then if anybody has ever been healed, it was based on what Jesus has done. Some people try to say, well, uh, God can do anything. And if he sees fit to do it for you, then he'll do it for you. But it's not necessarily part of what Jesus bought and paid for. I cannot accept that. Hmm? Basically, what they're saying then is it wasn't necessary for Jesus to go to the cross and do those things. Because if God could do one thing apart from the work of redemption, why couldn't he do something else? And when Jesus prayed and sweat drops of blood and said, Father, if there is any other way, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Don't you know if there was? He would have told him. He would have allowed it. There was no other way. There is no other way. Then there is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. People call us narrow, politically incorrect. You mean you don't acknowledge these other religions as just other ways that people are getting to God? I can't be a Christian and believe that. By very nature of what a Christian is. A real Christian has to believe the Bible. And the Bible says there is no other way. There is no other way. No other way. No other name. No other salvation. Salvation in no other We all are narrow and saved. (laughs) The way to salvation is straight and narrow. There is a broad way and there's a lot of folk that go in it. And the way end of it is destruction, the Bible says. There's a lot of people patting themselves on the back. We're okay and I'm okay and you're okay and you can believe in this and you can pray to a rock and you can do this and you can believe in that and you can believe in We're all headed for the same place. No, we're not. No, I'm sorry. I know people want to believe that, but it is not true if you believe the Bible. That's right. That's right. And we do. Amen. Some things, you know, we can, you know, be tolerant about, and you can still get to heaven, believing some other things, but there are certain things we cannot even be open to discussion on. Or elsewise, we're not believers. ourselves. The virgin birth. Are you with me? No discussion about that. If you don't believe it, you're lost. Here's another one, and we're getting into this. The resurrection. The resurrection. You really think Jesus literally, physically raised from the dead? If you don't believe it, you're not saved. It is one of those things that is essential. You can't be, well, I'm just... Having trouble with that, then you are lost. You are not saved. Hmm? And have you noticed that it's under attack? Globally and in the media? You know, you got thing after thing of people trying to tell you Jesus was just a man, a man that lived and died. Man, he had some wonderful teachings and some things you can live by but it's not really and then people will try to say well it's not really necessary I mean whether you believe in the miracle of this or that is not the main thing it's his teachings don't you fall for that lie I said don't you fall for that lie Christianity is not just another belief system it is eternal life come on now Christianity is not just another religion. It's not just another where we live our life by this set of beliefs. No, no. We believe in the new birth. We believe in resurrection. Does it really make that much difference? Yes. If Jesus was not born of a virgin and did not raise from the dead, Christianity is a lie. And there's nothing to it. It all rests on it. Come on, did you hear me? But I am not sweating tonight whether he really did raise from the dead. He's alive. He was dead. And he is alive right now. Seated at the right hand of majesty in heaven. And he's coming again soon. And every eye will see him. Glory to God. And every knee's gonna bow, and every tongue's gonna confess, and there's gonna be no more question about did he raise from the dead. But smart people confess now. Believe now. Bow their knee now. Now. In this life. How many of the blessings of God are available to mankind through Jesus? All the promises of God. Everything that God ever said he would do for man has found their fulfillment in Jesus. Now, I know I tend to get excited about this and kind of rave a little bit. But I'm telling you, to me, Jesus is everything. He's everything. He's everything. And to slight him at all or to try to make less of him or him less necessary in any degree is completely unacceptable to me. I will not entertain it. He is everything. Do you believe it or not? Jesus is everything. Hmm? The Father has given him the name above every name, made him king of all kings, Lord of all lords. Right? Made him to be the head of the church. He is it. He's everything. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end and everything in between. He's it. He's my hero. He's my Savior, my Lord, my healer, my provider, my deliverer, my protector, my redeemer. He's everything. He's everything. He's everything. And the reason I say that, I don't know if you noticed or not, but people are making less of Jesus. Churches are. People that are supposed to be Christian. I guess they forgot what that first part of that word is. Christ, I am? Christian? What's a Christian without Christ? (laughs) Nothing. He's everything. I said he's everything. And if you don't believe in miracles, you're not a Christian. I don't know what you are, but you're not a Christian. Because Christianity is born out of miracles. Are you listening? Continued in miracles. And is going to conclude in miracles. Amen. Go with me, if you would, to uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Reason number 12 tonight we are sure, 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 that it is God's will for all of us to be healed tonight, here, now, because of the first fruits. Of the resurrection. The first fruits of the resurrection. Another way of saying it is the earnest of our inheritance. In fact, before you go to 1 Corinthians 15, go to Ephesians 1. I think it'll help you to read this first. Ephesians 1. And are you believing God with me tonight? This is not just all up to me now. How you hear greatly affects the utterance. Which way we go and how far we can go. We are now in the heart of this thing. Can you see it? With redemption last week. And now that we're, and we're not just in the heart of healing. We're in the heart of the gospel. We're in the heart of redemption. In the heart of Christianity. And healing. Cause healing is part and parcel of it. Healing's right in the middle of it. All you got to do is look at Jesus' ministry. Huh? I mean, if the will of God was really like some people tried to portray, then Jesus would have rarely, if ever, ministered healing to people. Because it's just not that important to God. Because this physical body is not really what he's interested in. He's interested in the spirit. But I seem to notice Jesus having healing lines that lasted all day. Is that right? And people bring in thousands of people from all the surrounding towns and him ministering to them from early to late. How many can see if you read the four gospel accounts? Healing was a big part of Jesus' ministry. He spent a lot of time talking about it. He spent a lot of time ministering it. You know why? Because everything he said and everything he did was a direct revelation of God's will for humanity. God who never changes. And if that was his will then, it's his will now. He hasn't changed. The body matters to God. This body, the one you got right here and right now, it matters to God now and it matters to him in the future. Well, go to 1 Corinthians 6. Then we'll go to Ephesians then we'll go, I think, to the other. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. He talked about people being all these kind of things that are not good. And he said, verse 11, such were some of you, but you are washed and you are sanctified. Now, sometimes people try to say, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you were. Don't say you are a sinner. Unscriptural, bad confession. Hmm? No. Somebody says, well, I sinned yesterday. Well, you know, just because you did something one time doesn't mean you are one. Hmm? We did a trip the other day, and uh, we were coming back somewhere, and I let Dave take the wheel on the airplane. And he flew for, I don't know, five, ten minutes. But Dave's not a pilot. You don't necessarily want to load your family in the plane behind him and go, go somewhere across the country. Now, he could become that if that's what the Lord led him to do. But just because he flew doesn't mean he's a pilot. You know. Just because you sinned doesn't make you a sinner. That that is who you are in your spirit and that is your lifestyle. Come on now, can you see this? Before you were saved, you were. That's what your nature was, but not now. Notice, don't you like this right here, verse eleven? Such were, were, underline that word if you hadn't got it already. Such were some of you. You were that, but you are, here's what you are not sinners, you are washed, you are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You are. Somebody say, I am. I am. Glory to God. Now keep on reading. Verse 12. All things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. Meats are food for the belly and the belly for food, but God shall destroy both it and them. How many know that everything you see... Is uh, only here for a small amount of time. All of it's going to be gone. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and Lord the Lord for the body. God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by His own power. Oh glory to God! What are we talking about? First, He's talking about the body. Which body? The body you can commit fornication with. This one. Yep. The one you got right here, right now. And he said, your body is not made for that. Now, why was it necessary to say that? Because people would tell you, well, why did God give me a desire? Why did God give me this sex drive? And why did God, you know, it must be natural. No, no. It's got to be controlled. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Like numerous things. And you were not just made for that. That's right. Hmm? Sex is not necessary to have a normal life. Amen. Did you hear me? Yes, sir. You know, young people, unmarried, single people, older people that are not married. The enemy try to tell you, well, you can't be healthy, you know, unless you have sex, you have needs. No, your body's not just made for that. Your body was made for the Lord. Yes. Yes. Did you hear me? And there's nothing wrong with sex between husband and wife in the holy union of marriage. And people can enjoy themselves and that's all right. But it's not necessary to have a fulfilled life. Elsewise, what about Jesus? Did you hear me? What about others? It's not necessary. And if you are single, do yourself a favor. And don't watch and listen to and feed on and read stuff about sex. And stir yourself up for no reason? Well, we're getting to it now, I guess. Make it easy on yourself. Don't watch stuff. Don't listen to it. Don't read it. Why? Because the more you feed something, the stronger it gets. The more you feed those desires, the stronger they're going to get. Well, if you don't feed them, they'll get weaker and weaker and they won't bother you. Everybody's human. Everybody's got a body. Everybody's got desires. But desire should be controlled. Don't believe the lie. Well, it's unhealthy unless I have sex. No. You can be fulfilled. Sex is not necessary. Did you hear me? (laughs) Married people, married people, married people, you're supposed to have a, a, a sex life. Bible said, you know, not defraud one another. Didn't it? Hmm? Well, somebody said, well, you know, my wife, she's done got too holy. My husband's got too holy. You know, we hadn't had relations in a year. Wrong. That's wrong. That's against the word. Amen. Did you hear me? Right. But people who are not married, that's another situation. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, you're not married and the enemy will try to tell you, well, you're unhealthy and you got all this tension and you need to have sex. You have needs. He's a liar. Your body's not just made for that. It's not why you have a body. Your body is for the Lord. And the one who raised up Jesus, what else is going to happen? Did you read that verse? Come on, read it out loud to me. The one who raised Jesus up is going to do what? Raise this body, this one. This one up. Are you ready to get excited tonight? Now, keep reading verse 15. Are you there? Verse 15. Read it out loud. What does know you not mean? Don't you, know? don't you know? Now if the Lord said don't you know, what could you figure? A lot of people don't know. If the Lord says don't you know, why would he say it? Don't you know? Your body which body? This body right now, the one you could commit fornication with. This body is What? Member of Christ. Amen. This body? This body is a member of Christ? Now see, there are all kinds of groups that try to tell you, oh no, no. Now your spirit, your spirit is a part of Christ. But this old sinful flesh, you know, it's decaying and one of these days it's going to be gone and really it's not all that important. This flesh. And there's not too long of a stretch from there to saying, well, if you do some stuff with your body, it's just the old body. It's not really that big of a deal because it's your spirit. No, those are lies. I said, those are lies. Your body has, goes on to say in this very passage, has been bought and paid for. Not just your spirit. Your body. This body. Say it out loud. This body. This body is a member of Christ. It is a permanent part of Christ. Now people say, "Eh, Oh no, I don't like this body. I'm I'm getting rid of this one and I'm getting a new one. I'm going to have a new body. Well, that's true and not true, depending on what you mean by it. That new body you're talking. Is going to be this one. This one. Glorified. This one. Now some people think. Well I don't like that. Because I really don't like myself. I don't like my body. I assure you. Once the glory flows over it. You're going to be fine with it. You Don't be concerned. <laughs> once the power of God flows over it. It's gonna be changed on the atomic level. Amen. Oh, yes. The cellular level. Yes. Yes. Hmm? Yes. Scripture says so. Right. And it will never again be subject to aging or weakness. Glory. Or does it this body. Yes. This body. Yes. Oh, we're gonna be able to do some stuff. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in his flesh and bone body. Isn't that right? right. Remember after he was raised from the dead, he told the disciples, touch me, handle me. A spirit does not have flesh and bone like you see me. And they touched him and they put their hands on him just like you could put your hand on your own hand. And touched his body. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of majesty in that body. And the Bible says that He is going to change your body and my body like unto His glorious body. The same change that happened on His body is about to happen on ours, not too many days from now. Now if that don't stir you up, you just are not listening or something. I mean this, this is big stuff. Now, you know, there are people that think, oh, y'all are just getting worked up and y'all has got all these imaginations. No, it's either true or it's a lie. Amen. There's no in-between on That's it. I am, I am fully convinced. It is the gospel truth. Yes. It is reality. Yes. Hey, hey. Amen. Amen. a man who was Brother Oral Roberts, one of his head guys in his crusade team, had a heart attack and died suddenly and he died you know clinically dead well his wife got to him as quick as she could and she began to yell come back (laughs) Jesus name she called him back no you don't no you don't leave me now come back and she's calling him and he was gone I don't know how long they said he was dead clinically no heartbeat no nothing you know and they finally got him back and when they got him back he came to us the first thing he said when he looked at her is why would you do that why, why did she say what do you mean I said, Would you? he said mm-hmm. he said if it ever happens again leave me alone don't, don't do it Amen. he said let me tell you what I was doing he was an athlete in his younger years But he had gotten older and hadn't been so in such good shape for a long time. He said, I don't know where I was at. He said, but I was on this road by this beautiful fence. And there was this this landscape, I can't describe it, which is glorious and beautiful. And I was walking and I decided to run. And he said, and I started running. And he said, and then I began to run. And I began to run like I used to when I was young. He said, then I began running like I ain't never run in my life. <laughs> and he said, I'm running. He said, I don't know how fast I was going. He said, I was moving. He said, and I was just going, glory to God. You know, I don't know how fast I'm going. And then he said, I woke up and it was hurting. <laughs> he said, I started hurting and hurting, and I woke up and I'm in this body. Jesus in his body appeared to the disciples, didn't he? He ate fish and bread. Didn't he? He ate. Now that's a good word for a lot of folks, isn't it? I'm gonna be able to eat later. Yeah. Jesus did. And he He could move quickly from one place to the other. He he came there. They were shut up in there and locked doors. And he came through the wall somewhere or another. And yet this body, you can feel it just like you can this one. It's going to be different though. It's going to be changed. Did you see this verse right here? Your body is a member of Christ. How did you become a member of Christ? You believed on Jesus. And you were born again. The Bible said the Spirit of God has baptized you, which means placed into or immersed into, not water, the body of Christ. First Corinthians, what is it? 12 or so. You've been placed into the body of Christ. That's what water baptism is a type of. Just like your body was put into the element and the world of water, you have been put into Christ. When you believed on him. Not just your spirit. Jesus didn't just go to the cross. In spirit. His body was there. He offered his spirit. For your spirit. He offered his soul. For your soul. He offered his body. For your body. He bought you and me. Spirit and soul. And body. We are redeemed. Spirit and soul, and body. Somebody said, my body's redeemed. My body's redeemed. My body's, redeemed. My, body's redeemed. My, body's my body's part of Christ. Now he goes on to say here, he say, he's telling him, because they had huge problems with fornication and adultery in this church at Corinth, they were used to part of their worship being orgies. And now they've heard the gospel and they got saved, but that stuff is still going on around in their communities and different ones of them sliding back into it. And some people come along and say, well, it's just the body. And he's telling him the Holy Ghost through Paul is going, hey, what, what? Don't you know your body is a part of Christ? Are you going to take part of Christ and join it with harlots and idolatry? Isn't that what he went on to say in this passage? Your body, somebody say this body, is a part of Christ. He winds up by saying in verse 19, don't you know what? Somebody say what? 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 Don't you know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. You have of God. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. What do you mean you? So he specify he qualifies it. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your He didn't have to say both, but he did. Why? Because this body is important to him. The one you got right now. This one. This body is important to him. He cares about it. And redemption has been made for this body. Now go with me to uh, actually go to 1 Corinthians 15. You're there nearby and we'll see about Ephesians 1 later. But uh, 1 Corinthians 15. I want to read a few verses. Have you got time? 1 Corinthians 15 and 1. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you have received, And wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, you're saved by hearing and receiving and believing this and standing in this gospel. If you keep in memory what I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas and then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at one time. Of whom the greater part remain unto this present but some are fallen asleep. That is some have physically died. Now these people saw Jesus when? When is he talking about they saw him? Peter saw him. The rest of the twelve saw him. And five hundred people at one time saw him. After what? After he was crucified and died and was buried. And everybody knew he was dead. That's one reason, of course, it fulfilled scripture. But I imagine in that soldier's mind, that's one reason he took that spear and jammed it up in his side To go through his ribs and try to get to his heart and his organs to make sure he was dead. Make sure. And everybody knew he was dead. But according to the scriptures, he he kept saying according to the scriptures. I preached to this, you know, he died according to the scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures. And according to the scriptures, he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. Now people say, you really believe that? With every fiber of my being. It is the culmination of the gospel. It is the heart and the fulfillment of the truth. The scripture said, after that he was seen of James. Then of all the apostles. Last of all, he was seen of me. As one born out of due time. I'm the least of the apostles and not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace which was bestowed on me was not in vain. I've labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which is with me. Now, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Are there people saying this today? Hmm? I mean, it's a prominent thing. People are writing books. They're doing TV series. They're making movies. And they're saying Jesus was just a man. You know, what's this most recent thing? Have you heard? They, one guy's trying to say he found Jesus' burial and his bones. And that the bones of Mary Magdalene's in there too. Isn't that what he's trying to say? First of all, how could they ever try to prove such a thing? What could they use to test DNA? How could you make such a claim? Well, pe- you know, people that have an agenda don't have to have any proof. They just think up stuff and tell it. Of course, if it sells books and makes money, who, oh, you know. And people say, well, what about that? You think maybe that him and Mary Magdalene secretly married and, and had kids... No way. No way. If Jesus would have wanted to get married, he'd have got married. He wouldn't have hit it. Are you listening now? Smith says, Well, maybe he did. If he did, he was just a man. If he tried to hide and deceive and cover, then he wasn't Jesus of the Bible. Well what if he really did just die. And and, you know he's just a man. They crucified him. And what if he really did. And they did find his bones. Then you ought to never go to another church again. Because there ain't nothing to it. But I'm telling you nobody's ever found it. And nobody ever will. Because he ain't there. I said he's not there. He's not there. He did raise from the dead. Now you hear people talking about, well, you know, does it, why does it have to be such an issue? It is the issue. Yes. It is. I, you know, I don't believe in strife and I don't believe in discord. You, you know, we've talked about these kind of things. But friend, you cannot be so-called open-minded about this. You cannot be. You cannot. You know, well, I just want to be cordial and show folk that I can't entertain their opinion. You best not. You better not. Jesus. Was raised physically from the dead. His bones are not in any tomb. His bones are in his body. He is in his body. Isn't that what he said? Touch me. Handle me. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. So I know right where his bones are. His bones are in his body and he's in his body Hmm. and uh, he goes on to say verse uh, 13 if there be no resurrection of the dead then Christ is not risen and if Christ be not risen then is our preaching vain your faith is vain and we're found false witnesses of God because we testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. If the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. What's the other side of that? What if Christ is raised? Then other dead are raised. There's no surprise why the devil's trying to muddy the waters on this. Because this is it. If he really was raised from the dead, he has power over death and over sin. And this life is not all there is. And if you'll believe on him, you can raise too. Oh, glory to God! It's the culmination of the gospel, it's the pinnacle of the good news. He was. Raised from the dead. And because he was, we will be. We will be. Either change that is coming, or if we live out our life and our body dies, then we'll be raised from the dead. I said we'll be raised from the dead. We, this body, this body, no matter where it is, will be raised from the dead and glorified. So Mr. Wayne I thought we was talking about healing, Brother Keith. Why are you talking so much about this? If we believe God could do this to the body, it shouldn't be much of a stretch to believe He could do a little repair work on it. <laughs> In this life down here to keep us going until we get to that. Huh? If we believe... He could raise a body that is completely decomposed and you can't even find where it is. Because there's bodies of saints that have been dead for centuries. There are bodies of saints that were lost at sea. Sharks got them. Where's their body? There's saints that died in the Sahara. Bones were bleached. Decomposed. Dematerialized and blown to the four corners of the earth. Where is their body? It's still here. God knows where every cell is. It's still here. He put it together the first time. He knows how to reassemble it. Huh? And wouldn't it be glorious to be alive and remaining? Because the Bible said the dead in Christ are going to rise first. We would get to see that. Well, we're still alive. It could happen. It could happen. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. Verse 20. Now is Christ risen from the dead. How many believe the Bible? He is. And He has become the first fruits of them that slept. If there's, didn't say only fruit. If there's first, what is there? Second and a third and a fourth. and Nine millionth. Huh? You're in there somewhere. I'm in there somewhere. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Are people dying? Are all men on the earth dying? Then as surely as that's happening, people are going to be raised from the dead. That's what he's saying. Because what happened in Adam is not more powerful than what happened in Jesus. He said, every man in his own order, Christ, the firstfruits afterward, they which are Christ, at his coming, he is coming. Then comes the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. We have never known an existence without death. Everything around us dies. It's always been that way from the time we came in here. Flowers die. Trees die. Animals die. People die. Everything's dying. Oh, but do you believe the Bible? Do you believe the Bible? That everything's going to be changed. And when it is, there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more crying, and no more dying. No more. No more. No more. No more. I was telling Phyllis, uh, sometime back, I was asking the Lord a question. I said, Lord, how, how do you put up with this? I'm talking about all the pain. That is in the earth. How do you put up with it, Lord? Because He is love. Nobody's touched more than Him. Nobody cares more than Him. I said, Lord, how do you tolerate the pain of the innocents and the pain of the people in the earth? How how do you tolerate it? And He said, Well, one thing. I'm talking about not an audible voice, but inside me. He said, One thing, Keith. It is very brief. This is the shortest thing we'll ever do. And you think to us. 30 years seems like a long time. A year seems like a long time to have a problem. And have difficulty. A week. But what about to someone that a thousand years is like a day. There are some rough and some bad things going on. But. Very very brief. It's a vapor. It's here. It's gone. It's over. And our light affliction. Affliction. Which is but for a moment. <laughs> We're going to count it a small and trivial thing. And go hot. We'll soon be out of here. Don't worry about it. Right? Don't get hung up. Don't bother. Don't pace the floor and pull your hair. Hey. We'll soon be out of the whole deal. Besides that, God will give us victory today. Get us from here to there. God. Hallelujah. Go to Ephesians 1, please. This is all we've ever known, and we think this is a long time, but it's not. Ephesians 1, are you there? He said, verse 11, in whom we have obtained an inheritance. Have we obtained an inheritance? In Christ, verse 10 said. In Christ we've obtained an inheritance. Being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things. After the counsel of his own will. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of the truth. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also after you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Which is or who is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory is our body included in the work of redemption hmm? is our body included in the in our future in Christ in the future our body has been bought and paid for when the lord redeemed us he redeemed us completely spirit soul body every part he bore the chastisement of our peace that affects our mental and soulical realms he became poor so we could be rich that affects our material and financial world by his stripes we're healed he bore our iniquities he carried our sins isn't that right He didn't just go to the cross in spirit. He went spirit, soul, and body. And he redeemed us. Spirit, soul, and body. How many believe your body has been redeemed? And that because of the redemption of your body, you will either be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, or you will be raised from the dead. This body. This one right here. And your body is going to be changed like unto the Lord Jesus' glorious body. And you're going to have it from now on. And you can be able to do all kinds of amazing things. Finally, you'll have a body that can keep up with your spirit. People say, when could I do this? When could I do that? When could I do this? Do you remember what Brother Jesse said he kept hearing in heaven? He'd ask, you know, what about this? What about And he said, the angel would tell him, here, every desire is met. So if it's always been a desire of yours, get ready. Every desire is every desire. Now, what's going to happen to this body? We shall be changed. Ah, we moved from 1 Corinthians too quick, didn't we? Go back there, 1 Corinthians 15. Somebody say, we shall, we, shall we shall be changed. We shall be changed. Verse 50. Well, verse 49. 1 Corinthians fifteen, forty-nine. As we have borne the image of the earthy. Is that happening right now? Yes, sir. Hmm? Then as sure as this is happening right now, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Just like you got a body right now that was like Adam's fallen body after sin. Just as surely as this is so, there's going to come a time when you're going to have a body like Jesus' body. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. The world to come is too glorious to drag this flesh into. And yet this body has been bought and paid for. So what you got to do, I mean, you can't leave it out and you can't take it in like it is. Only one thing left to do. It's got to be changed. This body has to be changed. How's it going to be changed? He said, verse 50, corruption doesn't inherit in corruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Not everybody's going to die. There's going to be some people alive and remaining when he comes. They physically won't die. But we shall all be changed. Living, our body's been in the grave for 300 years. Either way, it's got to be changed. This body's got to be changed. It's going to happen like this. Oh, come on. I know you've heard it before. But it's so true. It's so wonderful. It's going to happen just like this. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. Show me an eye twinkle. I'll show your neighbor an eye twinkle. How's it work? Say so just like that. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Sure as you're sitting here. Sure as this Bible is true. Sure as God is real. You're going to hear that trumpet. It's going to be a sound like you ain't never heard before. And not just your ears are going to hear it. Every part of you is going to hear it. The dead bodies in the graves are going to hear that sound. And they're going to respond to that sound. You know what the scripture said? The dead are going to hear his voice. This trumpet is a voice. Glory to God. The dead in Christ are going to hear it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Like I was saying, wouldn't it be neat to be alive? And you hear that sound. And all these bodies start coming out. And saints' bodies that were scattered to the four winds come sh- Boom. Together. I don't care if different parts of their bodies were in different continents. They're going to fly through the air and they're going to come back together. And the glory of God is going to come over. The same glory that raised Jesus from the dead on the third day is going to come over the body just like it did Jesus. And you are going to stand there. You and I are going to stand there with our mouth open. We're going to go, glory, glory, glory to God. And about that time, as it finishes up, that power is going to hit us. It's going to happen to them first. Dead in Christ is going to rise first. And then it's going to hit us. I don't know if it will start in our head and flow down, our feet and flow up, or just hit us all at once. I don't know. I don't know. But I know this it's going to hit you. It's going to hit you. It's going to flow through you. It's going to flow over you. And there's going to be no more wrinkles no more imperfections no more too fat too thin, too young, too old too anything everything is going to be just right perfect, perfect everything is going to be at its maximum prime is perfection glory to God and you're going to go now this is what I'm talking about right here, this, yeah this this is what I always wanted when I was on the earth. And we will all look at each other and go, you look good. You go, man, you look good too. Woo. And what else is going to happen? We'll be caught up together with them in the air. And so shall we always and ever be with the Lord and with each other never be separated again from him or each other this is something to look forward to I said this is something to look forward to now back to Ephesians 1 and also 2nd Corinthians 4 find that we go to Ephesians and we go to 2nd Corinthians 4 I think did you know there's a lot about this in the Bible there's a lot about this in the New Testament. There is no gospel without this. There is no real Christianity without this. This is the heart of Christianity. Now I had to lay the foundation for that to get to this part. Some said, "What's that got to do with healing, brother Keith? It's got everything to do with healing. Is your body bought and paid for? This one: Is it a member of Christ? Is your body, this body, physical body, is it included in God's eternal plan of redemption? Yes, Yes, this body. God didn't have to do it that way, but he knew it was the best way and then the way he wanted it done. And so this body, the body you were born, the body you came from your mother's womb with is precious to him. And he has bought it, and he has paid for it, and he has even made arrangements so that every vestige of sin and the curse can be removed from it. And so that it can be a glorious body, this one, this one, just like Jesus has right now. If it is part of the... no, Notice he didn't say in 1 Corinthians 6, it's going to be part of Christ. What did he say? It is. It is. Right now, yes, sir. it is part of Christ. If it wasn't important whether there were disease and sickness in the body, Jesus wouldn't have gone about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. Right. He wouldn't have spent all that time uh, ministering to people and laying hands on people, would he? No, if it didn't matter. Right, right. Well, this old mortal body's about to soon to be gone anyway. It's no big deal. You know, just love God in your spirit. But denominations and Christians and people all over the world try to say you some variation of that. Oh, this old body, you know. You ever heard that kind of talk? Oh, this old body. It just, thank God one of these days I'm going to be done with this thing. Get me a new one. No, it's this one that has been bought and paid for. And is going to be glorified. This one. That's why he could just leave them all in the grave. Leave them where they are. Zap your spirit up to heaven. Fit you with a new one up there. Right? It's not how he's doing it. Why raise the dead? Why bring them out of their graves? Because he cares about this body. He gave you this body. Don't despise your body. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. This body is a marvel. We, You know, people tend to take it for granted because it's with you every day and you see it. And as long as everything's working right, it's just like, you know, ho-hum. And all you notice is, you know, something that's not working quite right. This thing, no man has ever made anything like this. This is amazing. This body. And it is in a fallen state. It's in a fallen, decaying state. It's nothing like what it was made to be. Oh, but God is going to change it and put it back right. And then it's going to be that way for eternity. Now in Ephesians 1, there is a phrase that we got to, and I want you to notice it again. Ephesians 1, we're there, what, in about verse 11 or so. We've obtained an inheritance. Down in verse 13. We were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Is that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead? Yes. Yes. Is that the same Holy Spirit that Jesus was anointed with that healed the sick? I'm going to ask you that again. Are we talking about the same Holy Ghost that Jesus was anointed with to heal the sick? Was the one who raised his body from the dead. Same Holy Ghost. Yes. 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 Isn't that what the scripture said? Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit and power. And he went about raising people from the dead. Well it happened but that's not what that scripture said. And that was, you know, he didn't do that everywhere. He, here it is. We got Acts 10.38. Did y'all get it? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good and heal. healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Healing. Healing. Then later, the Bible said he was raised from the dead by that same spirit who anointed him to heal. Healing bodies, raising bodies from the dead. Healing bodies and raising bodies from the dead. Is there any connection there at all? Well, why would he have a right to heal a body? If anybody's ever been healed, what was it done based on? What Jesus was going to do or has already done. Now we're all looking back to it's already done. When he bought and paid for your resurrection, your healing was included in that. Now you've got to stay with me just a minute. Get that settled in you. Let me say it again. When he bought and paid for your resurrection, he also bought your healing. Why? Because he bought your body. Yes. yes, sir. He bought your body. Giving him the legal right to do anything to the body. From quickening you a little bit. To healing you. To putting new organs in. All the way up to raising you from the dead. When he bought your body. And bought your resurrection. He bought everything else. He has a right to change your body. A little or a lot. And anywhere in between. Now now look at this phrase. When you heard the word of the truth. The gospel of your salvation. After you believed. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the earnest of our inheritance. Until the redemption of the purchased possession. To the praise of his glory. Him in you now is the earnest. Anybody know what earnest is? You know, it really is sad how ignorant we are of all this. It's sad how ignorant we as the body of Christ are of this. What is earnest? For one thing, it's something you've got right now in this life. In the person of the Holy Spirit. If you look up the word earnest in, mo- in Greek that was modern at the time it was written. It has the connotation and idea of an engagement ring. An engagement ring is not a wedding ring. But a real engagement and a real engagement ring means something. Hmm? What does it mean? Now there are some nice engagement rings. You know, 10 carat. There are some whopper engagement rings. There are some hugely expensive engagement rings. And it wouldn't have to be a ring. We think ring. But in different cultures, there have been all kind of presents. Everything from castles to counties. And everything in between. But what was the engagement gift or token? What was the earnest? It was... A relatively small part now of what the rest is going to follow later. (laughs) The earnest of our inheritance or the first fruits of our inheritance is a relatively small portion that we've got right now. That is representative of the rest of what we're going to get later. And it's in the Holy Spirit who's in us. I could get excited. (laughs) This is not, earnest is not by and by. Earnest is not when we all get to heaven. Earnest is now, right here, right here, right now. Earnest is now. Now. You get to wear the engagement ring before you get married. And if it was an engagement gift, you get to drive the engagement car before you get married. You get to live in the engagement house. If it was an engagement gift, you get to enjoy it right now. You don't have to wait. Man, there's a whole other wonderful teaching in this. He is the bridegroom. We are the bride. And we have not at all seen what the bride is going to come into at the end of this thing. But right now, we got the earnest. That we can enjoy here and now. And that really is needful to help us to get to the end of this. To get to the rest of it. 2 Corinthians 4. Is there healing in this? What would earnest of resurrection be think about it someone says oh joy in your spirit no I don't think so we're talking about earnest of physical resurrection you get earnest of other things too but what would the earnest of your physical resurrection be it would be a taste of resurrection power to come Wouldn't it? It'd be a taste. It wouldn't be the whole thing. No, no, no. I'm just going to believe. To get my whole self resurrected right now. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to get ahead of us. Uh. Uh-uh. If you go back and read that passage. First Corinthians 15. It said then will be brought to pass the saying. Death is swallowed up a victory. It gives a focus of a time when it's going to happen. You and I can't claim the resurrection of our flesh today. There have been people that tried over the centuries that say, Well, I'm gonna believe God and never die physically and you know where they all are? Dead. 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 Uh-huh. <laughs> physically. <laughs> no, you are not gonna to believe to live down here a thousand years or whenever as long as it takes till Jesus comes. No, you're not. The days of man, the Bible said, will be 120 years. That's the approximate maximum that a man or woman could stand to expect and live for. You also have, a, you know, the word that you can live till you're satisfied. And I don't want to be down here 500 years. No. No, I do want to finish my job. And finish my race and not leave early and not leave stuff undone for other people to, have to take up the slack. But... The fullness of the resurrection is going to happen. But do we have earnest? Is it true that we have an earnest? Is it true we have a part like an engagement gift uh, that we can enjoy right here and now? Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 4. He said in 2 Corinthians 4.10, Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, 2 Corinthians 4.10, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Don't try to spiritualize that some other way. He's talking about the life of Jesus being made manifest in your body. Somebody said out loud, the life of Jesus, life of Jesus. Manifested, manifested in my body. We which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. You can't say it any plainer than that. Once your flesh is glorified, it won't be mortal anymore. It'll be immortal. If it's going to happen to your mortal flesh, it's got to happen now. Can the life of Jesus... Be manifested in your mortal flesh. Yes. Yes. Skip down to chapter 5. A lot of people read this passage at funerals, but they stop a verse or two short. Won't you see what verse I'm talking about? He said, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved... We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Sometimes people say, well, what do we even need a body for? No, you need a house. God gave you a house. It's good to have a house. Your body is your house. He said, verse 4. We that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now, he that has wrought for us the selfsame thing is God, who also has given unto us. What did he give us? He gave us the earnest. Oh, come on, come on. Of what? Now, why did he talk about that? In connection with your body. Why talk about that? The earnest. Of your inheritance. For your body. Includes the quickening. Of this mortal flesh. The life of Jesus being made manifest. In this mortal body. How would that affect you? Would it heal you? Would it pep you up? Would it strengthen you? Yes. Now you're not going to be able to claim the whole thing right now. I'm just going to believe God. My whole body is changed from corruptible to incorruptible. No, you can't claim it right now. That's going to happen later. Yeah. Right. Bible said then it's going to be brought to pass. What you can do though is claim your earnest. Claim the first fruits of it, and you can have. Like my father in the faith, Brother Hagen, used to say this: a mini quickening. M-I-N-I. What do you mean? Little mini resurrection. You, and I mean little, a little mini resurrection in your kidney. Oh, come on, come on! Little mini, little mini resurrection in your uh, heart or in your liver, in your blood. In your immune system, a little quickening, a little quickening. The Holy Spirit's already in there. He's the one's going to raise your whole body from the dead one day. Why couldn't He just reach over and touch your lung a little bit? Zip, zip. Why couldn't He? Why couldn't He touch your gland? Why couldn't He touch your blood vessels, your heart, your bone, your joint, your nerves? Why couldn't He touch them and, and just a little quickening? You go, hmm. Glory to God. And he's saying, that's just a little bitty, bitty taste of what you're going to get one day. But it's enough to sustain us in this life. Heal us. Strengthen us. Keep us. Go to Romans 8. I think I can close with this. But we ought to shout about it real good before we do. Oh glory to God. If you believe in the resurrection, you're not having any trouble believing in this. Huh? If you believe God could really change your body from mortal to immortal and from corruptible to incorruptible, you shouldn't have any trouble believing He could heal it. And it's all part and parcel of the same thing. You just can't claim all of that right now, but you've already been given in earnest. A first fruit. In earnest. Glory to God. We need to meditate on this more. But it is reason number 12. Why we're sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed today. Why? Because of the earnest of our inheritance. The first fruits, a little foretaste of the resurrection. Anybody ever had any quickening? You ever had any healing? Have you? then you know that's exactly what it is. I've had, you've heard me tell some of the stories, I won't necessarily go into all of it, but there's been times, I mean, I was so tired, I was so fatigued, and yet I wasn't through, I had something else I needed to do in kingdom work. And you shouldn't just push yourself for no reason, because your body still is mortal. But there are times when you need to do stuff. You need to go on. And there have been times I I did not feel like I could do it, like I could drag another foot in front. And the Spirit of God just come on you and just quicken you. And you begin to get to doing it and get anointed and just forget about being tired and just be able to do it and be quick. What is that? That's a little taste. That's a little taste of what's coming down the road for us. Well, that'll heal you. That'll heal you. That'll strengthen you, that'll sustain you, that'll enable you. Look at Romans 8. Romans 8. Verse 11. Anybody got it marked? Romans 8:11, what does it say? If the spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, what'll happen? Glory to God. We're talking about the same Holy Ghost that was in that tomb that morning. Same Holy Ghost that flowed over Jesus' body that was cold and stiff and dead. And changed his body until he re-entered it and walked out of that place. Never to die again. That same spirit lives day and night in you. Thank you, Lord. That spirit lives in me. It's the same Holy Ghost who's going to resurrect this body later on. Who's going to change this body? Same one. Well, if he can do all that, why couldn't he give us a little zap every now and then? <laughs> Here and now. To help us make it through. Do our job. He can. He will. It belongs to you. It's your earnest. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you.